Let's begin now. Six o'clock Tuesday night, October 17th. You're listening to After Hours. I am Dusty Likens. I am joined by Blake this evening. Been a while, brother. Been a while, my good You man. guys, you guys cycle through this station more than Chiefs running backs. <laughs> well, I was out on vacation having myself a grand old time. So I told Spec, just go ahead and take me off for a couple yeah. weeks until I get back and get right back in the mood because I'm ready to hit the ground running, baby. Went on the old vacation. Did me and my lady went down to the Dominican Republic? Nice, just to see all the new baseball prospects. Actually, Ooh. that was it. That's all we did. Now, uh, yeah. her brother got married, or her uh, stepbrother, or, or half brother got married. So it was a good time. Must be really close if you're going to the DR for a half brother wedding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They okay. grew up together. So okay. I feel like I've missed some cousins' weddings, and I didn't go to that were in state. <laughs> Maybe I should have been at it if you're going to the Dominican Republic for a half-brother's marriage. Hey, it was enticing. They said, hey, bring it on down, all-inclusive. I said, yeah, I'll go. Yeah. Do you love this time of year? I do. Yeah, like the you're talking crispiness. talking about the fall? The crispiness? I, yeah. I used to always say spring is better. And I'm starting to jump uh, on the bandwagon that this is the time of the year. Because there's a lot of positives as opposed to negatives that there are this time of year as opposed to the spring. Like spring, I, I begin to miss baseball. Like I love baseball, and I begin to miss it. And then it kind of comes back slowly. Golf courses are now no longer covered in leaves. That's a negative of the fall, a positive of the spring. Um, but with the fall, man, you just get like every day is gorgeous. Like outside looks like a Hallmark like postcard of like Kansas. Well, and it's Hallmark season too. Wish you so. were here. Kansas. See, I like this weather because I can still wear short sleeve shirts. Sunshine state and pants. Yeah. The only thing that's also negative is you have to consistently carry a hoodie or a jacket with you that you eventually will take off. Got one right back here. Yeah. Mainly that's because this room is freezing cold, but hey, it still works. I kind of love the fall. It's like potato soup weather. Oh, dude! I just I just talking to my lady. It's soup season, man. It's soup season. We made a whole vat of chili the other day. Baked potato. Uh, baked potato and bacon soup, my man, is delicious. Ugh. Um, so we were lied to last night. Not just that Justin Herbert is an elite quarterback, but we were lied to, um, basically by the Chargers. So funny thing, Pat. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm intense in everything I do. Football being one of the most intense things I do, to the point where sometimes my dad is like, "Okay, you need to sit down. You're gonna." You're going to fall. You're going to kick the kid. Something's going to happen. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm good. I'm good. I'm freaking out, but I'm good. So last night when I was watching, I'm like, oh, it's so close. Like, we just need to get that touchdown. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to hear any more from the liar. For those of you that don't know, we were lied to. The Chargers showed a fan that was losing her day of mind, shaking, cheering, then finishing the game in agony. She goes on the Pat McAfee show. That was it right there. Talking about how she wears her heart on her sleeve. And then we found out today that she's been pictured as a super fan for the Minnesota Vikings. They lied to you. And I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know if ESPN was in on it. I don't know if the Chargers were in on it. But they paid a fan 
to be in their stands, allegedly, maybe, kind of, seriously, probably. And then it goes viral last night, and everybody's happy and eccentric for it. She goes on Pat McAfee's show, and then they do a side-by-side. And it looks just like she in a Minnesota Vikings jersey. Now, I don't want to be considered racist or anything like that, but I believe it is the same person. Because I know Sean Barber would just jump down my back if I took that take. And I don't want him to be mad at me because he's always trying to convince me I'm somebody that I'm not. But I think the Chargers paid a lady to be a fan and show emotion and then told ESPN, and ESPN put her on at the right very time. I think the Chargers just wanted to show the world that there is actual Chargers fans, but everybody found out. The facade was broken, that we've been bamboozled. There is no real Chargers fans. I don't think there's any in L.A. Oh, no. I think Fesco said it right. They need to go back to San Diego. Nobody wants to see them play here anymore. Well, and, and, and Fesco also said this morning that is this not the same team? That had the AI fans, mm-hmm. the uh, the robot fans in the stands earlier this year? Probably. Out in the lobby? I mean, they are coming up with all sorts of ways to try to fake fill seats out there. From the 816, Dirty Werewolf, hadn't heard you in a while. Good to see you back. Wanted to say hello before everybody else texted you, the blind man. Thank you very much. And then immediately after, bring back Binkley from the 785. I don't, I don't think Binkley's gone anywhere. Binkley will be on our show on Friday night at 6.15, so maybe you can turn your radio off, kiss my ass, and then you can listen in at 6.15 when Jay Binkley joins the show. Or you can listen to the Characters Concerns podcast that just got released today. Or you could be a better fan and a better person, not say mean things. Or you could go to the Odyssey app and listen to, you know, I don't know, the Arrowhead Pride postgame show with Jay Binkley. 785-KMA. For those of you that know that, thank you. For him that doesn't or they that don't. Welcome to the team. This is After Hours with Dusty Likens and Blake tonight. Um, I do want to start with, I don't think we realize how tough the quarterback position is in the NFL. And again, I want to start off with what Keenan Allen wrote to the Players' Tribune. And I get it. Keenan Allen should be the biggest Justin Herbert fan. Should be. No doubt about it. He's made Keenan Allen's career better since he's been there in the last four years. Keenan Allen's been healthier with Justin Herbert, even though it's hard to believe because he was there with others. But Keenan Allen on Justin Herbert said, quote, Herbert's ceiling is really, really high. Body style like Josh Allen, he can run. He's got a big, big arm. Everything I think he's got an ability like Patrick Mahomes. Like he can make all the throws for real. He's really a dog, though. Everything he does, he's just got that swagger. So, I think Justin Herbert's a good quarterback. I also think that we do a lot of overpraising when guys play well for a short period of time. And I know that the NFL this season is a lot more impactful and a lot more quick to happen when it's one game per week and it's, you know, three and a half, four months of a season. Now, has Justin Herbert been a good quarterback? Absolutely. His record overall is 27 and 27. That would tell you he's mediocre. Or there's still some people hanging on the balance of, well, he's got Brandon Staley and that's what's ruining his career. That's fair. But Brandon Staley didn't lose the game last night. And I'm not saying that one guy ever loses the game or wins the game, but the Chargers had not been sacked all night. And in fact, the most brutal time they could have Micah Parsons sacks Justin Herbert, and then the very next play, Justin Herbert throws a pick. Game over. Stephon Gilmore. And 
I think the thing that's interesting is that we've seen Justin Herbert do these types of things before. In fact, they happened in front of everybody's eyes last year when the Chiefs and Chargers played on Thursday night on Amazon Prime for the first time, and Justin Herbert drove all the way down the field, no huddled offense, tight end slipped, he still threw it, and Watson took it to the house for a pick six, Chiefs win the game. And I think that what we need to do is realize two things. One, there is a one A1 quarterback at the top, and then there's just a few more below that, and it's significantly below. And then not only that, we have to realize that there's a group of guys that are just probably good. There may not be great when you describe these guys. I do believe that Mahomes is obviously that top dog. You can look at his record. You can look at his numbers. He's always in the top five. In fact, we have him here if you need him. But Justin Herbert, when you look at his numbers and you look at his accomplishments, this year alone, two and three. Thrown for 1,333 yards, nine touchdowns, two picks, and probably the most crucial pick that he had was last night against Stephon Gilmore to make his team go to two and three and take a sack previous to that. We had mentioned earlier his record is 27 and 27. Touchdowns interception ratio, pretty good, 103 to 37. But again, I think the best he's finished in the league, if you count his rookie year, he was AP Offensive Rookie of the Year. After that, he's been a pro bowler and finished ninth in the MVP candidate. Ninth. That's his best finish. Ninth. That's cute. When you look at guys like Patrick Mahomes, and some people could be like, hey, Dusty, this is super unfair, man. Justin Herbert was never compared to Patrick Mahomes. Justin Herbert, we sure about that? We sure about that? Mahomes' overall record, 69-17. and 17. Mahomes this year, 1593, seven yards shy to 1,600. He's got a 5-1 record, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions. One of those, not his fault. I'll give him four. But when you look at Patrick Mahomes' numbers, because, again, the stat that I always see that comes out once a year, early in the year, May, April, somewhere around there, says that Justin Herbert's first four years in the league, untouchable. We forget Patrick Mahomes played one game in his first year in the league. One. And it was a Week 17 game that didn't matter, and he came back and beat Denver, looked like what we were going to see for the future. We just didn't want to believe it. And Mahomes, MVP, his, rook, his first year in the league, AP Player of the Year. In his first league. Next year, he was AP fourth ranked, a Pro Bowler as well. Then he finished third in the MVP, second in Offensive Player of the Year, was a Pro Bowler again. And then, of course, we had the last season MVP, second in Offensive Player of the Year, Pro Bowler as well, and an All-Pro. So before we get confused as to where these quarterbacks are, Allen, Burrow, Herbert, Hurts, Trevor, maybe I jumped the gun on Trevor Lawrence. I'll own that one. Jackson, maybe. But still, Lamar Jackson playoffs, they get murky. Joe Burrow, he's got the playoff resume early, but doesn't have the big win. Doesn't have the MVP. This year's a little shysty, as his nickname might be. But all I want to do is fair warn everyone that the level of top to next tier is much bigger than a lot of people lead on to believe. And sometimes even like Colin Cowherd, you know, he says things as well. Justin Herbert has had Anthony Lynn fired and Brandon Staley, who Charger fans would like fired. And yet, Pro Bowl Offensive Rookie of the Year, 
playoff appearance in the AFC in a division with Mahomes, and he's 500. With Anthony Lennon, Brandon Staley. Last night, running for his life, broken finger left hand, no run game. He lost 20-17 to in a virtual road game to a team that's won 24 games the last two years. Mahomes got Andy Reid and stability. Justin Herbert, week two out of college, your starting kid, behind the lowest-ranked O-line in the league, a head coach who is over his head. I'm sorry, folks, but he checks every box. He was a 4.2 college student, biology major. Big, smart, power arm, mobile, hungry, and humble. There are no boxes he doesn't check. Clutch. Decision-making. Elite status. So, again, I warn you. Let's just pump the brakes. Look at resumes. Look at overall games. Look at everything that's in there before we start checking the boxes. And, again, Matt Verderam, who joined the drive, had this to say as well. When you watch these games with Herbert, and I know you get these people who immediately scream, oh, he's got 13 fourth-quarter comebacks. Yeah, that's nice. In the last three years, you know, league NFL fourth-quarter comebacks, Kirk Cousins. Okay, and, and nobody's clamoring for Kirk Cousins to be considered Joe Montana. Like, Herbert has this issue with late in the game. When he's got the ball and the, the game's on his racket, they very often, but they do nothing. Earlier this year against Miami, situation arose, did nothing. They went backwards. Last night, throws a pick down the game. It's not all on him. Nobody reasonable saying that, but I do think you look at Herbert and all the talent in the world's there. We're three and a half years into his career. What is his signature win? What is it? He, is, he doesn't have one. What's his signature moment? What's the year that he was almost the MVP? I mean, none of these things are true. I think he's extraordinarily talented, but at this point, he does not belong in the conversation with some of those real top, top quarterbacks in the league. 100% agree, Matt. That was Matt Verderin from the drive with Karen Harrison and Rob Britton. Um, Chiefs Chargers Sunday at 325, but we've got some time before we get to that. We dip into Fox 4's Rob Collins on the other side. Rob Collins joins me as it is local Tuesdays on After Hours. For Blake, I'm Dusty Likens. You're listening to 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. After hours, thanks to Rob Collins of Box for joining us on the local Tuesdays. Had uh, Mackenzie Nelson. We've had Harold Koontz. We've had Rob Collins. See what else we can pull throughout this football season. But we'll get some some familiar names in the cycle. Get some regular returning guests on Tuesday night. Something I like to do. You know, maybe you don't watch Rob on the news, but maybe you will now. He's very, very uh, humbling when he says he's not that good looking. It's a good dude. So thanks to Rob Collins of Fox 4 for joining the show. Dusty Blake with you all the way until 9 o'clock. 8 o'clock, we'll do the out-of-left-field question. Um, so we'll make sure we get engaged. 913-586-7610. That is the J Southland so- Tow Service text line. Kind of want to dive into this. Uh, next thing uh, with the Kansas City Chiefs. 
because talking with Pete Sweeney last night, I was humbling myself because I said that maybe this isn't a top five defense. This might be a top three defense. And according to points scored, this is also from Matt McMillan. We gave you this stat last night, just not where they ranked above them with points per game. But through six weeks, the Chiefs own the number two scoring defense in the NFL. They're allowing 14.7 points per game. I'm going to say that a little bit slower and a little bit louder. The Chiefs are averaging giving up 14.7 points per game. Let's not forget nine points shouldn't exist. There was the dropped pass from Canarius Tony that led to a pick six, and there was a safety call that wasn't really a safety, so let's subtract nine and whatever. Continue on with Matt McMullen's tweet. Only San Francisco, who's given up 14.5, so we're two-tenths of a point away, rank higher. The Chiefs are the only team in the NFL to hold the opposition under 22 total points and 21 offensive points in every single game. I don't want to hear Dusty, Dirty Werewolf, Dustman. They haven't played anybody. They may not have. But whoever they're playing isn't scoring. Detroit, who played against a defense that was absent Chris Jones in the first game of the season, scored 14 points. Again, I don't count the seven that Kadarius Tony gave to them by a drop pass that led to a pick six. 14 points. I don't know if you follow me on fantasy football, but if you do, know that this week I will tell you to start Jerry Goff. You can look at Jerry Goff's numbers over the last 17 games. Pretty, pretty, pretty impressive. Right? And I get it. They played the Bears. They played the Broncos. They played the Jets. The Jaguars, and we know the Jags have a above-average offense. Obviously, Trevor Lawrence hurt day-to-day. We'll see what becomes of that, but they can put up points, at least more than 22. But it doesn't matter who they're playing now. They're keeping those teams at a low minimum. They're not allowing points. Jacksonville, 9. Bears, 10. Broncos, 8. And they didn't have 0 until really towards the very end. So, again, I'm not saying, I mean, that these teams are great, but it's these teams can't even attempt to score against the Kansas City Chiefs. They are locking teams down. And again, I don't know what unit is best every week or which one ranks above the other. The D-line is strong. That's where Pete Sweeney goes. The secondary is fierce, athletic, and talented, and quick. That's where my head goes. Rob Collins of Fox 4 likes the linebacking core of Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Leo Chennault, Drew Tranquil. Been pretty good. D-line, they get an Aminahue back this week. We'll see where he fits or where he's at six weeks into a suspended season. I don't think he's going to play a ton, but I think he's going to play enough to where he's either going to be recognizable or non-recognizable. Either way, pivotal days ahead for Aminahue. And I started to think that this defense kind of recognized to me or reminded me, not recognized, I apologize. But they kind of remind me of that 3 Tampa Bay defense at the moment. I'm not saying they get to that level because that's one of the best defenses I've ever seen. Multiple pro bowlers in multiple different areas. Warren Sapp, Simeon Rice, Derek Brooks, Rondé Barber, Dexter Jackson, John Lynch, you're welcome. But there's a chance the Chiefs could have multiple pro bowlers at multiple levels on this defense. We know Chris Jones will most likely be one. Nick Bolton's creeping his way up. He's missed two games, but he's been fierce. 
That athletic pick that he had last week against the or against the Broncos was nice. It wasn't just given to him. He went up there and got it. We know he's going to finish in the top five in tackles. He's been great since he's been in the league. Willie Gay fringe. Probably not a pro bowler, but Willie Gay is doing very well in his contract year. Legereus Sneed, Trent McDuffie, both very well off on their ways to being pro bowlers. Maybe I'm jumping the gun here, but so far, when you've got a great defense like this, it gets recognized as everybody starts to get underneath the microscope. And Justin Reed's been good too. And the thing about this defense is that they're athletic, they're quick, they're smart, they're tenured. They check those boxes. They've been to a playoff run, and they're young. They've been to a Super Bowl and won against a good offense and won. There might be, and you know my narrative this year for the Chiefs is in-house competition. There might be more in-house competition than I could have ever imagined. The cornerbacks competing with the linebackers of who has the better day when it comes to defensive grades. The linebackers against the D-line. Who was bigger in their forceful nature that game? And again, Chris Jones, Nick Bolton, Trent McDuffie, Legereus Sneed, Justin Reed, all guys that I'm interested to see where they finish at the end of the year in Pro Bowl voting. I'm not saying they all get there. I'm not saying they are the 2003 Tampa Bay defense, but when it comes to elite play at each and every level of the defense, they kind of have that there. And if I'm Patrick Mahomes, I'm shocked. I'm astonished. I'm happy. I've never had a defense going back to high school, going back to college, my first five years in the NFL. Remember what we always said? Could you imagine if Patrick Mahomes had a top 10 defense, what this team could possibly be? Maybe we're seeing it. Do they end the season with only giving up 14.7 points per game? Probably not. But Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a top 10 defense. Patrick Mahomes, as of right now, doesn't have a top five defense. Patrick Mahomes has a top 10 defense or top three defense and might be a top two defense. We're putting the Chiefs in the same category as a San Francisco 49ers defense, and that's unbelievable to think this much long into the season. I know we're still short, not a lot of dynamic teams. You get the Chargers, the Broncos, and then you get the Dolphins. And in three weeks, we will bring back this conversation. But one conversation we get into next is, I think we might have found our guy on the offense, and if that's the case, we might be creeping on two different levels in the DVAO system that might be different for all. This is After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Bring it. Boy, this man just got some terrible news, didn't he? You've been following that, him and Jada Pinkett Smith? I guess it's now just Jada Pinkett. I mean, when you publicly humiliate your husband yeah. in front of everybody and expect him to not, you know, hold a grudge, be mad. Mm-hmm. First, he tried to stand up for her. Yeah. Then it will uh, come to find out that, uh, I mean, yeah. I'd be hurting if I was him. I don't know, man. Tear the man down publicly like that by giving your your news away to the, your, your dirty laundry? I mean, it had been seven years. She could have gone without the Tupac was always my soulmate. She could have gone without a lot of it. That's fair. I don't mean I, I I feel like Will will be just fine. Oh, he'll he'll have a I mean, he'll be ready to go instantly. Yeah. Like he's he hasn't lost his head. He's Will Smith, man. Still looks great. Yeah. I just feel like 
she could have gone without letting people know that Jay, that that Tupac was her man, and that came like a week after they found out who shot Tupac, allegedly or whatever that story was. Yeah, I didn't dive too much into it because I just don't care. Yeah, don't care. Old news. Yeah, I mean, I wish she was still alive, but I just the whole thing is is an ongoing uh, story since I've been real little Dusty. Well, I I still think the whole f- the slap was fake. Yeah, Sean Barber. Speaking of which, again, he. Like, showed me video of a conspiracy that that was all, like, staged. Yeah. I mean, Chris Rock still claims it's not, but, you know. And it just so happened to come out right before Chris Rock had a Netflix special. Yeah. Will Smith yeah. had kind of fallen out of relevancy. And apparently he had been separated from his wife at that moment for six years. Things that make you go, hmm. Speaking of which, uh, you remember Quentin Johnson, TCU's wide receiver that went in the first round? Yes, I do. Uh, so against the Cowboys last night, he had two targets, zero receptions, 0.9 average yards of separation. That's that's not good. Um, Johnson has still yet to rack up over 20 receiving yards in a game, also has still yet to have more than two receptions in a single game. In fact, he is all the only sole rookie wide receiver drafted within the first two rounds to do so this season. That is not good. I do believe the Chiefs have found their guy. I do believe in Rasheed Rice after the last two games, and I understand there have been some hiccups along the way. Let's not forget he's a rookie, and rookies in Andy Reid's system don't necessarily get off to a hot start. There's only been two. Jeremy Macklin, Deshaun Jackson. I guess you can count Tyreek Hill, but that didn't really develop until the end of his first year when they started to kind of let him loose a little bit more and started to really use that speed. I really think that when the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes were firing all cylinders was in 2019 when they had that offense that won a Super Bowl against the San Francisco 49ers. And in that year and in that playoff run, they had a very key position on that team, which was Sammy Watkins. Rasheed Rice in the offseason was compared to Sammy Watkins by Patrick Mahomes. There's audio. We could play it eventually if you really didn't believe me. But that was the comparison that Mahomes kind of gave him. And... From what I can see in Rasheed Rice and from what I was talking to Rob Collins about at Fox 4 with the, the quote or the, you know, loosely quoted Peyton Manning from earlier this year that Rasheed Rice would be a big fit and a good fit for Patrick Mahomes because he's quick enough, tall enough, strong enough, can get open in zone, has decently good hands as a rookie. I will admit he does have four drops, one of which led to an interception. But again, he's a rookie, right? He's going to make mistakes. But I think Rasheed Rice can be better than Sammy Watkins. Bear with me. We've only got about three minutes of this segment, but I'll try to convince you the best I can. So far this year for Rasheed Rice, 21 receptions on 28 targets, 244 y- 245 yards, I'm sorry, two touchdowns, and 11.7 yards per reception. We can dig a little bit deeper in the stat sheet because the last two games, the one against Minnesota, he had five targets, four catches. He had a touchdown. Against Denver, he had four targets, four catches, 72 yards. That's 105 yards, eight receptions on nine targets. You put that together as a game, which I think we could eventually get there. You then have your Travis Kelsey lock. You have your Rasheed Rice lock. Some of you might say, Sammy Watkins, that guy was pretty good for the Chiefs. That guy put up good numbers for the Chiefs. Not really. There were good numbers. In 19, he had 673 receiving yards. Rasheed Rice is 400 shy of that through six weeks. Does he get there? That I don't know. 
I'm not expecting him to get there. I'm just telling you that's what Sammy Watkins had in his best year with the Chiefs. And in that year, he started 13 games and played in 14. Missed some time. Rasheed Rice already this year has played in six games. 245 yards. Let's say he's got, we round up, even though it's not to 50, but let's say he's got 300. That would put him 373. He's about 400 yards behind Sammy Watkins in the year that Sammy Watkins was the most vital player on this team, averaging 12.9 yards a catch, three total touchdowns, and was huge in that playoff run against Tennessee and against, of course, the San Francisco 49ers as he burned Richard Sherman. I do believe that Rasheed Rice, at the pace that he's going, at the uptick that he's getting, again, nine targets in two games, 105 yards, and a touchdown, you keep going at that pace, four catches, five catches, let's see him get to six, seven, ramp him up. If you trust him, if Mahomes can trust him, then you can get into these numbers. You can get into a better rate and have your guy, your wide receiver one, and oh, by the way, a rookie. And I get it. He's a second-round pick. He wasn't a first-round pick. He wasn't a splash like Zay Flowers, right? He wasn't that guy that everybody might have wanted, myself included. He wasn't mentioned in those names with Jalen Hyatt and some of those receivers that you wanted to see, a Jordan Addison, right? He just wasn't there. But he was there in the second round, and you found him as the Kansas City Chiefs. And again, his numbers this year, 28 targets on 21 receptions. He does have four drops. Two touchdowns, averaging. And let's not 40. forget that should be four touchdowns if he wasn't stopped on the half-inch line. Could have shot Yeah. And he's averaging 40.8 yards per game as a rookie. So about a 400-yard uptick in the rest of the season, and you do have your Sammy Watkins from 2019. Then you do have your solidified offense. And, oh, by the way, you play a Chargers team that can't stop receivers. And CeeDee Lamb, I get it, is a stud. He's a, he's a legit Wide receiver one in Dallas. They just don't know how to use him quite often, which they did last night. But if the Chiefs can start putting more trust in Rasheed Rice, ramp him up a little bit more, and those numbers can become more and more fluent and more trusting with Patrick Mahomes, then you have your running game, you have your passing game, you have your top three defense. Buckle up. It's going to be a fun rest of the season. We'll ask a big important question later on tonight. But after this, I want to ask, did you see this coming? What I mean by that was, Yes, you probably saw a eighth consecutive AFC West title, but did you see it coming this quickly? You're listening to After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. One hour in the books on a Tuesday night of After Hours. Dusty Likens with you. Blake as well. Hope you're having a good evening. Sun is officially set, so the the mood will slowly change within this show. I don't know what that means, but just remember tomorrow you get DA at 930 with the guys from Fesco in the morning. Pete Sweeney at 3 o'clock on the drive and then again at 5 o'clock. And then he joins me and I actually I join him. For Arrowhead Pride Radio from 6 to 7, you'll get that betting show with Alex Gold after that. And then uh, Kansas State Coaching Show. So, uh, loaded Wednesday. Um, 
Wednesdays are fun. Wednesdays go by so fast uh, just because an hour is just so quick. Because obviously we're already into 7 o'clock. But uh, don't forget Friday, Jay Binkley will join me at 615. We'll bring back Richard of the Week as we do every single Friday that there is an after-hours show, which we are now in the we're in the we're in the grunt of the season of after hours. We're here every week, uh, Monday through Friday and Sunday. And obviously, we do the fantasy football show on Sunday. I am back. Uh, I had to go on a two week hiatus. Had some things come up uh, with friends that were uh, you know had to be taken care of. So we had to uh, we had to sit out the last two weeks. But thanks to Kristen Nacero, uh for filling in. But we'll be back for fantasy football Sunday. And then after hours, ten to noon, um, before we get to the Chiefs Chargers at three twenty five. I do want to bring up um, a tweet that I saw from. Uh, pretty reliable source on Twitter. It says Chiefs had 2,290 yards of offense through six games last season. The Chiefs currently have 2,294 yards of offense through six games this year as well. Side note before we go onward into this tweet, um, remind me, Blake, who had the number one offense last year in the NFL? It was Kansas City Chiefs. Yes. Um, but Kansas City's 147 points are the fewest in Mahomes' era at this point of the season. 179 last year, and previous low was 172 in 2019. So, Super Bowl seasons. Um, however, Kansas City has allowed 88 points, their best by 39 points since 2018. In the end, the Chiefs are plus 59 through six game, which is their best scoring differential in the Mahomes' era. Long tweet long. The Chiefs may not be scoring at a rate that we are used to or what you are normally like to see, but they ain't giving up any points, so they don't need to. And when you have an offense that I think that we can all trust, right? And again, I think this offense is going to be just fine. We had just mentioned the Rasheed Rice numbers and what the potential could be for him. But when you look at this Chiefs offense and you see Mahomes, you see Travis Kelsey, we see a revamped Isaiah Pacheco because – it almost might be more dangerous if you are more complete as a whole on offense. And I know that might sound like John Madden giving you a stat on Monday Night Football back in the 90s. But again, the Chiefs in total yards this season rank fourth. Passing yards, they rank second. Rushing yards, they rank 11th. Points per game, they rank ninth. Third down conversion, they rank third. Those are offensive statistics. And a lot of people are like, well, where is that happening? Why am I not seeing this? It's like a long binge watch of Game of Thrones and you don't realize the storyline is still expanding in the same dominant form. You're just used to greatness. You're in season four of Game of Thrones and you're like, does it get better? Because last season was really good and by the end of that fourth season, you're going, all right, let's get to season five. Kind of like Breaking Bad as well. But again, total yards, fourth, passing yards, second, rushing yards, 11th, points, ninth, Third down conversions, third. They're holding on to the ball. They're still scoring points. And they're also passing at an efficient rate. And a lot of people would ask themselves last week when Patrick Mahomes came out as the MVP favorite, how is Patrick Mahomes the MVP favorite? Who's he doing it with? They're second in the league in passing yards behind the obvious, the Miami Dolphins. But again, they're still second. And points scored... They're still in the top 10. They're ninth. They're in there. And when it comes to getting conversions on third down, they're third. So they're doing what they need to do. And just imagine they could fix what is the, I don't know what's happening, why they can't get third and ones. Imagine if they were just convert three of those. 
you might be looking at the number one third down conversion successful rated team. And I do believe that this offense by the end of the year could finish top five because if you put all of those numbers together, you're probably looking at like the eighth best offense in the league. You put their defensive numbers together, right? Whereas on defense, they're sixth in total yards allowed, sixth in passing yards allowed, 12th in rushing yards allowed, second in points allowed, ninth when it comes to third down conversions. They're only giving up a third down conversion 36% of the time. It's almost like they're doing the opposite of what the other side of the ball does, which then again feeds into the narrative that I will beat into your head until the season is over of in-house competition. But there are a few things that do matter to get to the DVOA stats, which is where football is rated these days for the number nerds out there. But if they have a top three defense and a top five offense, I mean, you're looking at yourself as this team is not only dominant, but there's a chance that in two weeks from now, this team has clinched its eighth consecutive AFC championship title. West title. Let me put that word in there. That's pretty important for this take. They beat the Chargers on Saturday or on Sunday at 325. And then they handle business in Denver on the road against the Broncos. By then, who knows? Rasheed Rice is developed. He's another big piece. The defense is still a cohesive unit and even better with Ominahue. Mike Dana, Chris Jones, Carl Loftus, Nick Bolton, Willie Gay, Drew Tranquil, Justin Reed. I could just name the roster, but you can go to Google for that. And they keep getting better, and they keep staying dominant, and you can shut the Chargers down, do exactly what you should have done against the Broncos, just allow three points, score 21, and keep gaining that margin of victory. There's a chance that for the first time in my life, I could tell you that I didn't think they could ever lock up a division before Halloween. October 29th, they could have this division locked up. The Chargers would be what, two and five? Or no, two and three? I think they're what? They're two and two right now? Are they two and three? No, they're two and four right now. Two and four. They would be two and five. The Broncos would still be just absolutely horrendous. You'd have tiebreaker over the Chargers. You would have buried the Broncos. You're definitely not scared about the Raiders, who do have a decently surprising good defense. It is a divisional opponent, but the records would be so astronomically different. Come on. This is a chance for the first time in a long time that I could see a team like this clinch a division this early. Because remember, Philly was dominant last year, but that that NFC East was a dogfight. Giants were surprisingly good. I don't know what had happened. Maybe Daniel Jones knew he wanted to get paid. Saquon Barkley was healthy. Philadelphia was good. Dallas was pretty good last year. New England is where this team consistently reminds me of, of the 2000 New England Patriots. They played in a pretty poor division. They did their job every step of the way, and that's where you wrap this conversation up is that, yes, the games have probably not been as climactic as you have liked. You might be sitting there after last week's game and be like, man, that thing was boring. But they were up 16 to nothing for almost three-fourths of that game. Definitely three-fourths of that game. Denver just looked blank. They looked beat when they got on the field. In fact, I thought it was over when Steve Smith Jr. and uh, Jerry Judy got into it. Called him a jag. Just another guy. But the thing is, is that 
maybe as non-pretty as it's looked, they're beating teams with a sizable gap. Bears 42 to 10. 17 to 9 doesn't look great. When they lose, they lose by one. 19 to 8 doesn't look great, but that's the final score of the whole game. It was a 16-point differential. And when you do these things throughout the season, season after season, you continuously find yourself in a successful spot. And right now in the AFC, the Chiefs sit atop at five and one. Obviously, the Dolphins are five and one as well. I'm doing everything I can not to get into that game three weeks ahead of time. I've told myself every day, don't do it. Don't dive into that yet. We'll have all the action we need in two weeks when we bear this team ready for Germany. But Rice is a big component. This defense continuing to play at the rate that they're doing. Because to be fair, the quarterback play, the best they've played against so far is Jared Goff. And that's not a shot. Jared Goff, I think, has proven himself over the last two years, at least on that Dan Campbell coach Lions team. And Jared Goff is 2-0 against Mahomes, whether you want to believe it or not. But if this team locks up L.A. and locks up Denver and locks up the division by Halloween, there is a very big question we could all ask. Is this the greatest Chiefs team you've ever seen? There's been some good ones, but complete, great, dominant team with a 59-point win margin, not allowing 22 points to an opponent, not allowing more than 21, what, twice or 20 twice. It's dominant on the defense. The offense will come along. She rises a key. Continuing your dominant level on defense is also a key. On the other side, we get into Andy Reid and why I don't think you have any sort of reason to be in concern when it comes to the Los Angeles Chargers. For Blake, I'm Dusty. You're listening to After Hours on 610 Sports Radio. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.